Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Meatcraft. Beyond butchering. Is meatcraft even a word? Meat artistry. Meatery. Meat artistry. Being a meat master. However you want to say it, right? That's what we're going to talk about today. Things like biltong, things like artisan-type sausage, aging meat. Why? Because I was blessed by God just before Thanksgiving to be able to put meat on the table for my family another time. And I don't take that for granted. I'm very thankful for that. But with that, how can I share those skills on? Right? I don't do this podcast to help me. I do it mostly to pass on the knowledge and help you. Anyway, that's what we're going to talk about today. Because much like a man can be skilled working with wood, a carpenter, or skilled working with stone, a mason, or skilled working on guns, like a gunsmith, you can be a meatsmith. You can work and be skilled working with meat. Anyway, that's what we're going to talk about today. I'm going to forego the normal bio because being a war vet and law enforcement vet doesn't have much to do with today's episode, but I have been putting meat on the table for myself and my family by God's grace since I was a very young man running around the woods with a rifle or a shotgun, probably more likely a shotgun. It's a a better all-around game-getting tool for most things. But grew up a poor boy in the South, and I don't mean just paying token, I mean poor like. Well, I don't feel like regaling you with tales of how dirt poor we grew up. But poor boys can get some pretty sweet skills. One of those skills was being able to put meat on the table. And that has developed over the years, putting meat on the table. Been blessed to hunt all over this beautiful country. Also been blessed to be a professional big game hunter and guide and a ranch manager. Well, as you might imagine, I have quite a bit of experience, mostly with wild game meat. But even if you don't hunt, you can apply this. You can buy a side of beef and do it yourself. You can buy a whole sheep or a goat or even a whole turkey. That's a a big thing this season. So I guess loosely, let's go at this from... The standpoint of red meat first, because, I mean, this is the Alpha Male podcast after all. Let's talk about some red meat, and let's talk about most unadulterated to getting smaller and smaller in our meat cuts. Now, I've done an entire episode on butchering, mainly skills of butchering. It's been a while, but it's still in there. This is beyond the butchering. So you've got the animal butchered. You've got it cleaned and dressed. If you can get an animal out whole, and I live out west, and many times that's not possible, you either will bone it out or quarter it out and pack it out on your back. But you can get and cook an animal whole. There are 
I really enjoy roasting meat over a fire. I also really enjoy making a rotisserie. You can make a giant rotisserie for big cloven hooved animals. Probably not a cow unless you just have a lot, a lot of people. But something like a goat or a sheep. Dealing with giant pieces of meat with bone of varying thicknesses, I say that is absolutely an art. An art, again, like working with wood and knowing how to work differently with walnut than with pine. How to work with the grain versus against the grain. Knowing that you use different saws to cut with the grain, a ripping saw, or to go against the grain, a cross-cut saw. Very, very similar in knowing different muscle groups and different roasting times. And I'm going to say it here, although it applies throughout the episode, one of the major major faux pas one of the major things people mess up with wild game meat is they overcook it i would submit almost always unless you shot like a deer with cwd or something almost always i think that wild harvested game meat is much cleaner and safer than meat that you buy at the store it's healthier it's not packed into close densities with ability to spread disease like if you've ever been in a chicken house or a CAFO and seen that right something like a deer lives a much cleaner existence a happier existence and a much healthier in my experience existence so I'm more comfortable eating venison I'm, I'm, I'm less concerned about anything with venison than I am with stuff bought at the store to mention all the antibiotics they pump them with and hormones and genetically modified this or that just don't overcook your meat especially your wild game meat don't overcook it knowing when a piece of meat is ready that's very difficult to do with big pieces of meat like a half of an animal like a half of a sheep or a half of a goat or a side of beef that's really, really hard. The, the main thing for this is patience. If you have patience and understanding of meat and bone and how that affects temperature and how to cook over a fire, right? You need very little in the way of stuff to make that meat great. You need some kind of thing to hold it up some kind of apparatus which you can make out of saplings or trees pretty easily green wood works better because it generally doesn't catch fire but making your own rotisserie right that if you live in a wooded area costs very little you need fire and salt that's all that you need and patience and knowledge but if you really want to do something different for a gathering, for something special, for a barbecue, for cooking outside, whatever. Try keeping the animal, try getting a half of something, like a half of a sheep or a half of a goat or a half of a deer, especially a young deer, like if it's legal to take a yearling deer where you are. Just amazingly delicious. One thing, if you're cooking real lean meat, you don't need to worry about this in my experience with goat or sheep, but if it's uh, something real lean like a deer, you may want to brush it with some kind of oil, like peanut oil, just because it is so lean. 
And then obviously there's all kinds of rubs and stuff you can put on there. But doing that, cooking over rotisserie, and also cook over coals if you know what you're doing. I have and, and do enjoy just literally throwing meat on a bed of coals. The next way, and it's probably more common because you have to have a lot of people, I think, to make use of like a side of beef or, again, a, a half of a lamb. But what you don't need a lot of people for, generally, in general, a family at a gathering, a quarter, like a hind quarter, like an entire leg. This is something that I really, really like doing. Smoking an entire leg of lamb or an entire sheep leg, goat leg, deer leg. You get the idea. Now, I'm not telling you to whatever is safe or not safe, but hanging and aging meat is absolutely a thing, and it's a thing that's been done for a long time, and it's a thing that's still done. I, the last deer that I was blessed to shoot, I hung it out and aged it for several days, just hung it outside. In general, if it's cold enough for the flies to be gone, and the insects to be gone, and, and I think ideally around 40 degrees or below, but not to freezing, somewhere in that range, aging meat is absolutely a great thing that can be done, like aging venison hindquarter. Cooking the whole quarter, taking the entire leg, just beautiful tradition. If you want it to be even cooler, you can leave the hoof on it if you want, but usually that first joint, you, you can take it off there. If you leave that tendon intact, you can often use that, that tendon back there to hang the meat. Great thing about that is the, the thicker part of the leg is going to hang down, which is the thicker part, so it's going to take longer to cook. So it generally cooks the right way if you hang it that way. Again, patience. It may take you the better part of a day to do a hindquarter if you do it right. Be patient. Unlike how I'm going to tell you, like for most other things, if you're dealing with gaming, you want to cook it hot and fast. Like as soon as it starts to change color, turn it over and you're done. You can't do that with the whole leg. You got to be patient. If you overcook it, if you try and cook it too hot, too fast, it's going to get dry and it's going to be bland, and it'll still be it'll still be meat. You can still eat it, but we're talking about being like an artist with this stuff. So be patient. You don't want to just cook it on the outside and the inside to be raw. That's fine on thinner cuts of meat. I actually don't mind raw venison at all. I ate some raw venison without any cooking at all recently. I, I really enjoy that. But for this, you're trying to get a good even cooking. You want at the end, at the very end, you can crank up the heat and give a good good searing on the outside of that leg but really low heat for a really long time again we're talking this is measured in hours not minutes patience this is something that you probably do when you're doing a bunch of other stuff like you're out doing yard work or whatever for the day and you've made your own smoker you can have a smoker if you want or you can buy a smoker or you can just make a smoker or you can just hang it over a smoky fire and if you're outside for most of the day doing yard work, doing whatever, and you can just kind of keep an eye on it, and when it needs attention, give it attention. Pretty much an entire day thing. You start early in the morning, and it might be it might be done by evening. It might be done late that night. One of those things to do. If you have a like a family gathering, you just want to, you know, on a Sunday, that's your 
meat for the week. Like you want to cook that venison quarter and you and your wife are going to eat that throughout the week. I was blessed to guide my wife on uh, her first big game hunt. I had taken her small game hunting a few times. My wife is uh, a lot more prim and proper and I mean, most people will consider her a country girl, but compared to me, I would consider her a city girl. Anyway, I guided her on her first big game hunt. It was a sheep hunt. She got her sheep, and we not only enjoyed the hunt, we enjoyed doing a lot with that meat. And one of the things we did for our anniversary, or right around our anniversary, was roast an entire, smoke an entire leg of that sheep and it was amazing it was good it was so good maybe i'll make that the picture for this podcast thumbnail if you listen on spotify because that lets you change the the image for every episode but this is probably more attainable for most people than cooking a half of an entire animal i i recommend a hind quarter rather than a front quarter although the front quarter is smaller on most animals that front leg is tougher in my experience so it's not going to be as good as a hind quarter Obviously, I shouldn't say obviously, younger animals are better. So if you want to try this on a deer, a very young deer is better. I got no qualms. Now, it's written in the Bible, don't take the mother and the young on the same day. I won't kill a mother and the young, but I will certainly take a yearling. And that's the the better thing to do if you have a very young yearling and it's legal to take it. Leave the mother and take a yearling, especially if you've got multiple yearlings. Because the chances of survival through the winter are far less anyway. And that's just, just delicious meat. As long as it's like eight days old or more, I got no problem taking a young yearling deer. A hindquarter from a young yearling deer like this is just a really good thing to try this with because it's going to be very tender. But you can also do it with sheep and goat. Now, some people might turn up their nose at goat. Again, I grew up poor. We raised goat. And goat is some of my favorite meat. I don't know if that's why because I took a long break from it. But when I got back into eating goat meat, goat is some of my favorite meat especially in curry. I don't know why, but goat curry just goes together like peanut butter and jelly. But roasting an entire sheep leg or goat leg, I like the taste of that meat. I don't want everything to taste like chicken. I don't want everything to taste like chicken. If I wanted everything to taste like chicken, I would go to Walmart and buy a $5 chicken or whatever they cost now with inflation. Even natural like farm-raised chicken generally doesn't taste like what most people think of as chicken. If you want something that tastes like chicken, you don't want to be roasting a whole sheep leg because it's not going to taste like chicken. It's going to taste like a beautiful piece of red meat if you do it right. It's going to be delicious. It's going to be flavorful. People say, oh, it's gamey like it's a bad thing. Yeah, it's wild game. It should have taste to it. It should have flavor. Now, it shouldn't be rancid. It shouldn't be rotten. You should be able to tell that God gave us a wonderful thing right above our mouth to be able to tell if what we're putting in our mouth is rotten or not and it's called our nose right shouldn't be rotten shouldn't be rancid but it should be rich in flavor it should be a rich flavorful piece of meat so if you're doing this and expecting it to taste like a mcdonald's burger you're on the wrong track you're go buy a mcdonald's burger if that's what you want this is not that but you know pulling off a smoked, roasted, let's just say leg of lamb or leg of venison and putting it in front of people and slicing it up or letting everybody slice their own piece off for dinner. That's something special. That's something that harkens to a more 
primal time. And I think sometimes it's good as men to sit around a fire and everybody pulls out their knife because you're a man, you should be carrying a knife and slicing off their own piece of meat. That's a wonderful thing. And it's just extra special when you... Is, is there anything, as far as food goes, more manly than just ripping meat off a bone? Anyway, cooking the whole leg, mostly what you need for that is patience. You don't even need a special smoker. You don't need anything. You need a fire. Again, salt. You need patience. Patience is key when dealing with big pieces of... Big, big sections of an animal. Patience. And this comes from a guy that's not real patient. Right? I have a hard time sitting down for long periods of time. I'm not the most patient of people... Ask my wife. But when it comes to this, really patience pays off. Now, I said all you really need is salt. And if the better you are, the less stuff you probably need. But you can add other stuff that will really enhance the flavor depending on what you want. Again, I talked about brushing it with oil. Uh, now, I wouldn't advise this if it's a real fatty sheep or something. It's got plenty of fat and juice in there. But if it's something like venison, brushing it with like peanut oil. And you can add things to the peanut oil. I'm talking about just a regular hair paintbrush and you can add in there things like chipotle you can cook with hickory wood if you have it or cherry wood or apple wood you can add into that oil or just a dry rub garlic's a real obvious one and you know the herbs now if it's if it's like a green herb i would wait till close to the end because you're just going to burn it off but things like rosemary oregano thyme and again the better you are at doing this meat if you're real good, you just add salt to it, and it should be delicious, just like that. Meat and salt. All right, now let's talk about steaks. Because I think uh, a lot of people, even a lot of people that consider themselves a country boy that you know routinely, routinely take deer or things like that or elk, they will go and take it to the butcher, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that, especially if you're trying to save time. But I think you'll do it better if you do it yourself cutting steak this is what I mean kind of like by being an artist with this kind of like how a mason would look at a piece of stone and look at it and look at the way the stone is comprised and figure out how to work it to make a thing you look at that piece of meat whatever piece it is and read it as to how it should become a steak a couple of general rules like the opposite of wood right if you're talking about cutting a 2x4 you want the grain to run why well, should back up. Just like wood has grains, meat has grains. Right? It's going to be better to cut it one way than another. And generally the opposite of wood. Well, obviously, you look at a 2x4, the grain runs along the 2x4. Because if you ran it the other way, it would be a very, very weak 2x4. If the grain ran the opposite way, you would just put any kind of substantial pressure in the middle of that 2x4 and it would break. You want that 2x4 to be strong. You want the inverse of that when you're talking about a steak. You want it to come apart easily. You want to bite into it and have it come apart. You don't want to be chewing on a 2x4. So try and cut the steak in its longest axis with going against the grain so it comes apart easier. A real, real clear example of this is the back strap. That part of meat that runs along the back between the spine and the ribs. That's a beautiful beautiful tender piece of meat you get that and you cut it into medallion steaks 
an inch, inch and a quarter thick. And it's real easy to do because there, it's if you cut it right and, and weren't in a hurry, it's a real straight piece of meat besides the ends, which are delicious also. Especially if you want to do like burnt ends for that. But you cut it into little small medallions, about the size of a medallion or a silver dollar. is a, will be about on a deer the size that it is. On an elk, obviously much bigger. And on a cow, you're dealing with like entire steak-sized pieces of meat. But let's stick with a deer-sized animal or a sheep-sized animal. Because a, a full adult sheep is a big animal. You get these little medallions. Inch, inch and a half thick, about the size of a silver dollar. That's an easy way you cut it against the grain, right? You wouldn't cut it to have, you know two foot long real thin spaghetti like steaks you would cut it against a grain real quick on those medallions again for this kind of meat where it's small hot and fast get a hot frying pan or a hot fire grill put the meat down as soon as it starts to change color flip it over and take it off that's my advice don't overcook it this is not some abomination like a Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Pork chop. This is actual food. This is real wild red meat a little bit of fire and then season to taste but throw it on a hot this is not where you want low heat but a high heat as soon as it starts to change color as soon as you see that color starting to creep up change from purple to brown on one side flip it over let it do the same thing and then take it off if you overcook it it's going to be dry and or rubbery and lose a bunch of its taste hot and fast for small cuts of meat like that especially for wild meat now this is harder to do if you're looking at something like you're not going to keep that leg hole on a deer you're not going to keep the hind quarter hole and roasted hole or maybe you're going to do that with one and the other one you're going to turn into steak again you kind of look at that leg and how it's composed what i like to do is break it into its big muscle groups separate those muscles and then cut those muscles against the grain it makes for some pretty beautiful steaks that would be my advice there and cut how you would like if and again cut how you would like right it makes it a lot easier to cut like this if you have a long sharp knife if you have a short knife it's going to be hard to make pretty steaks if you want to cut real thin steaks that's fine if you want to make if you're going to be making something like a Philly cheesesteak with venison, which is delicious. A little bit of first put in your onions because they take longer. A little bit of fried onions and some peanut oil on the bottom. Once those onions are mostly done, real, real thin slices of your meat. 
season to taste a little bit of salt a little bit of crushed black pepper if you're italian like me maybe some garlic because i mean you're italian right and then once you turn the heat off throw some cheese on there let it sit until the cheese melts delicious oh and green pepper if you like it which i do some cut up green pepper i prefer crisp green pepper so no need to cook that but if you like your green pepper cooked throw it in there with the onions now let's get even smaller the jerky who doesn't love what alpha male out there doesn't love jerky Here's the good thing if we're talking about wild game meat, right? I don't know that you could, you probably could, but it would be much more difficult to jerky something like a sheep or a lamb. But something like venison or elk, it just screams jerky. Sometimes, except for the most tender cuts of meat, I'll do most of a deer in jerky because it's so lean, it's so easy to make jerky. Now you can make jerky big or small, but however big it is, it needs to be thin because it needs to dry out. You don't need any kind of special apparatus. You don't need to go out and drop thousands of dollars on a dehydrator, right? People have been making jerky for thousands of years, long before there was any mechanical dehydrators. You don't need the mechanical dehydrators. And in fact, I don't like them. I think I make better jerky without them. It just makes it so bland. You can do it over an open fire. You, again, can just, if you live in woodlands, just get your own green wood and make a rack. You don't actually want the flames touching the jerky. You just kind of want that smoky fire wafting up, keeping the meat dry. Very, very minimal cooking, mostly drying that meat out to make jerky. Here's where I will add some stuff. Thought that you have to. You could, you could just add salt. But I really like salt and vinegar. So why not dip that jerky in salt and vinegar, like a real thick salt and vinegar solution, and hang it and smoke it, jerky it. Also, I really like spicy stuff, so something like crushed red pepper, ghost pepper, habanero pepper, and I'm talking dried pepper. You don't want to use like chopped up habanero pepper for this. It's just too much moisture. The whole point of jerky is to remove the moisture from the meat. But you do you, whatever flavor you want. If you like some other flavor, then do some other flavor. I'm not big on sweet. Generally try and stay away from refined sugar because I don't think that's proper human food. But if you want to make some kind of sweet jerky, you certainly can. And if you don't want to do it over an open fire just for convenience sake, if you have an oven, just take something that's not going to catch fire and prop the oven open. If you don't want, if you live with a woman and you don't want them to get super mad, coat the bottom of the said oven with aluminum foil so that all the stuff that drips off the meat is not going to make a giant mess and get you in trouble. Uh, ask me how I know. <laughs> but it already has metal racks in the oven. You take the metal racks out of the oven before you turn the oven on, obviously, or you burn yourself. <laughs> I, I, I don't know why I feel like I have to say that, but you take the racks out, use the racks that are in there. You should be cutting this jerky into thin strips anyway. You hang the meat on the oven racks. You put the oven on the very lowest setting, whatever that is, 125, 175, the lowest setting, the lowest setting. Much like I talked about, if this is if you, the weather's bad outside and you're stuck inside all day on a day off. You just monitor it inside the oven. When it looks like jerky, when it's dry and doesn't look like fresh meat, it looks like jerky, then it's jerky. Don't overcomplicate it. It does help to let the moisture out if you prop the oven door slightly open. I'm talking like an inch, just enough to let moisture out with something that's not going to catch fire. But just propping that door open to make jerky. 
Now, if you want like the alpha male version of jerky, that is biltong. Biltong is basically jerky that's been hitting the gym. It's bigger, thicker, manlier jerky. For this, I like to, if you can, keep the muscle groups whole. So use all of one muscle group. Don't go across muscle groups with ligament and tendon and stuff. It just makes it much more chewy when you go to eat it. But I can cut it against a grain. Also, this will let stuff seep in. And here, there's many different ways to make biltong. But here's how I like to make biltong. Again, I like salt and vinegar. The meat should be properly bled out way prior to this. And I like to do this with aged meat. So the meat should have already been hung so it's even drier. Then you soak it in salt and vinegar. And again, you can add other stuff, but I like salt and vinegar. I'm not telling you this is safe to do. I'm telling you that this is how I make biltong. And I've never gotten sick from it. Biltong, as I understand it and how I've always made it, is not cooked at all. It is dry aged. So in a dry, controlled, insect-free environment, you hang this meat. Cool, dry air. Maybe even warm, dry air. But all the things that make this meat rot fast should be gone. The blood should be gone. Any veins should be gone. Any tendons, any of that stuff. Bones, obviously. All that stuff should be gone. This meat should... Be dipped in salt and vinegar and then dried and it should continue to dry and especially if you see it's still a little bit wet keep rubbing it with some salt some coarse salt or kosher salt to pull that moisture out and a lot of that again put something down so you don't make a giant mess but a lot of that will tend to drop off with the moisture on it and then it gets drier and drier you're basically dry aging and preserving this biltong and this biltong if done properly can last a long long time and you're not dealing with real thin cuts of jerky like you would find at the store in a, a bag of jerky. You're dealing with like big chunks of meat. Inch, inch and a half thick. Maybe more. Like so that two pieces of biltong would be a whole protein meal worth. The great thing about these is they last a long time. They're bigger. I think they taste better. And you can grab one or two, put them in your pocket and go on hunts. That's kind of what they were made for, I think going on long trips or hunts, but taking protein with you. For this, you need a, a fairly sterile environment, and you need air circulation, right? You need air to move around and dry this meat out. But that's really it. Don't overcomplicate it. Again, you want to make it spicy. I'm kind of a sucker for, like, ghost pepper or reaper. Adding some of that on there, if you want to kick it up a notch, really good. But just add stuff that is not going to introduce any kind of bacteria. Most herbs and stuff actually do good at keeping off bacteria things like rosemary and thyme and and things like that so if you want to do that rub it with some dry again it's the dry so this will be like dry garlic powder and like a dry pepper rub and or dry rosemary but biltong it's fantastic i guess this is a little bit reverse order i should have done biltong than jerky but most people know about jerky but getting even smaller Let's talk about ground meat. Now just grinding meat, I'm not really going to cover you. Throw the meat, you cut it up into small sections and throw it in the grinder. I mean, okay, that's not really artistry. But if you want to make like some artisan sausage, like what you would see, like what you might go to a restaurant for and pay $75 a plate. Like some smoked venison, apple, chipotle sausage and i just pulled that 
out because that's a real common one but if you saw that on a menu you'd be like oh that's delicious and if it if you go out to eat which i generally don't go out to eat my wife and i are pretty simple but if you go out to a nice restaurant and you saw that on the menu and it was 50 bucks you'd be like oh yeah okay you can make that right especially around here it's thick with wild and or old abandoned homesteads out in the middle of national forest national you know public lands apples apples are all over the place the deer that i shot was just apple trees all over so not only did i get a deer i got apples to bring home for thanksgiving to make a bunch of stuff my wife made her own homemade apple pie but you take some of that apple you slice it up you combine that with a bunch of other ingredients and you have apple venison sausage couple of things if you're talking about sheep, beef, if you're dealing with game meat, you may want to add fat. I like beef sausage, beef tallow, and a lot of times you can get beef fat from a store very affordably. And you do you on the ratio, but if you're making sausage, probably 10 to 15% at a minimum fat content. But something I like to do, maybe it's because I'm Italian, I'll just add olive oil. I think it's healthier. I think it's better. So I'll grind up deer meat and add olive oil to it. And I'm not one to use recipes. I'll generally eyeball it. But to give you a rough idea, like 10% olive oil, doing the apple thing, maybe 15% apple, some dried chipotle seasoning, some liquid smoke, what I like to do is grind the meat first on a real coarse grind and then mix this all up in a bowl. Oh, and salt. You got it. I mean, salt. And then uh, salt to taste, a couple of tablespoons per pound probably. And then you mix this all up in a bowl and you throw it back through the grinder. So you grind all the stuff like the apples and the chipotle and the smoke up into the meat. And then if you want to get casings, you can. That's a good thing to do. Or you can just form it into patties, put it in wax paper, like you would see like a big thick burger and make sausage like that. This is what I was doing last night, which is what kind of got me thinking about this episode. I didn't make the apple, the apple one because uh, I don't generally eat fruit. I've been doing keto, just a side note, long before I ever heard the term keto. Well, I'm going to delete that and go back. And uh, my diet is not the course of this, is not the scope of this episode. But what I did make was some Italian sausage and some spicy Southwest. And there's still a lot more to do. For the Italian, it should be no surprise. Grind that meat up. And I would also grind up chunks of onion that were cut up into like cube size you throw those in the grinder you throw some whole garlic cloves in the grinder i would say your garlic and onion grind should be about 15 percent of the total and it doesn't take up much space but you also want to add oregano basil if you have all these ingredients if you're if you're missing one it's still going to taste like italian sausage okay minus you probably need the garlic to make it taste italian but if you don't have oregano, for instance, it'll be fine. If you want to get a mix, like a pre-mixed Italian seasoning, you can also do that. But, where was I? Oregano, thyme, rosemary is a big one. 
your onions, your garlic. So, again, you run, you run the meat through the first time on a coarse grind. That lets you mix all these other ingredients in so it's more homogeneous. Then you kind of mix it all up by hand in your bowl and you throw it all back through the grinder. Grind it on a fine grind and package however you want to package it. You want to put it in casings, which kind of requires its own kind of machine. Or you just want to put it in patties, which is what I like to do because I might take it out and decide I want to make it in some kind of sauce. Or I might want to combine it with eggs if I'm making like a breakfast sausage. Or I might want to mix it 50-50 like let's say I made this uh, spicy Southwest. I may decide I want to do 75% that and then 25% beef chorizo because beef chorizo is awesome and it's really fatty. And I, it's generally too rich that you just eat by itself. So I'll mix it. So I like the patties, but you do you. Um, and I don't remember exactly what I put in the spicy Southwest, but three or four different kinds of dried peppers of varying spiciness, like a red chili pepper. I cut up some habanero pepper, put it in there, a bunch of different dried kind of smoky peppers. Obviously some smoke seasoning, mesquite, big thick coarse salt, and whole black peppercorns to get ground up they're still pretty fresh and frozen in that sausage i may have put reaper in there uh reaper pepper i'm i don't remember but it looked really good and that's just two examples you you could do all kinds and you can look up all kinds of different sausage things if you want you can look up a recipe for a very you know pedestrian breakfast sausage blend you could probably even buy a pre-mixed Especially, I think, I don't generally do this, but I think like Cabela's Bass Pro Shops will sell like sausage seasoning. To me, if I wanted it to taste like sausage, I would get, again at McDonald's, what am I doing? I wanted to, I want to know I'm eating something special when I'm eating stuff that I made. But if you're making it for a family and they're not the most adventurous of eaters, you might want to stick with something more pedestrian like a simple breakfast sausage blend. Anyway, this, I think, I don't want to overwhelm you guys, but I think that this is a good episode because I think it's that season where a lot of people hopefully have taken animals this season. Either they're homesteaders and they've butchered an animal so they don't have to bring it through the darth of winter, or they've successfully harvested game animals in hunting. And instead of just eating a bland deer steak with onions, which is nothing wrong with that, or just grinding that deer up and throwing it in spaghetti sauce, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you want to kick it up a notch and kind of move into that artistry realm with meat, make biltong, make aged, smoked, like artisan cuts and things like that, or just really just, what do the kids say today? Bussin' sausage. Like, you can do that. Anyway... That's pretty much the episode. This whole episode has mostly been tips on meat. So I'll try and get a tactical tip that has nothing to do with meat. This is one I've given out before, but it's like the complete opposite of working with your hands and working with meat. Passwords. Do passwords drive you crazy? As far as like, oh, you got to have a different password for this and a different password for this and this website and that website. And they tell you not to use the same password because then some... Eastern European is going to hack your identity and buy themselves a yacht. You got to have all these different passwords. 
and here's the key for this you might not want to do this for your like bank but for all the other silly websites like your Midway USA or your Brownells or your Amazon or, or whatever right all these different passwords you're not supposed to use the same one have a similar core password that you change for each website and again this is not going to stop the CIA from hacking your stuff right let's say your general password is backwoods thug one exclamation point right that's your that's your general go-to password that's your core general go-to password what did i say backwoods thug one exclamation point well for amazon it can be backwoods done thug one exclamation point az and just do lowercase az say if you're if you're back in the backwoods thug and your B and your T were capitalized, you can make it a rule that whatever the initials are, the first one is capital and the next one is not capital. But you get the idea. Just whatever the words are like. If I'm going to Midway, it would be backwoods thug, one exclamation point, MW. But you have a slightly different password for different websites, but it's not so crazy hard to remember all your passwords. I'm going to Amazon. I know my core password. I just add AZ to it right nothing nothing crazy there just a good life tip tactical tip with that your tactical verse of the day this is from ecclesiastes chapter three this is from solomon except for christ jesus who is god made flesh the wisest man that ever lived so probably can learn a lot from him this is ecclesiastes chapter three I know that nothing is better for them than to rejoice and to do good in their lives, and also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of his labor. It is the gift of God. Whatever you have is a gift from God, a good thing to be enjoyed, not to be worshipped. That's idolatry. You should not worship anything, not money, not food, not women, nothing you shouldn't worship it but if god gives you a wonderful gift like a a good wife a good meal a warm dry place to sleep let us rejoice and be glad in those good things that god has given us let us remember not the thing that it's important it's the giver that gave it to us that's who's to be worshiped let us rejoice and be glad in the good things god has given us thanks for listening and have a blessed day